to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida. Ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking, yes. We do enjoy our debunking. We you know, do I, enjoy. I will say, I'm going to make it my mission uh-oh. Uh, sometime in the next couple months to Ruh-roh. find some ridiculous thing that I can't debunk. Oh, that's, that's, is that your that's New Year's resolution? That's my Christmas gift. <laughs> that's my Christmas gift to, to the people. I'm going to look for a case that I can't explain or find rational explanations for, and I'm just dumbfounded, and I think it's creepy and weird, and that's going to be my gift to the people. I can't wait. Yeah, it's, it might take me a while to find that, though. So we'll, Maybe it'll we'll be see. for 2022 Christmas. <laughs> it, might be, it might be 2022. It might be. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to try real hard, Gabby. I appreciate the effort. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, y'all, we got to start this episode by talking about how lovely and emotional Kim Douthit was at my wedding. God, I had feelings. <laughs> I hate feelings, Gabby. I hate uh, them. It was probably my favorite part of the wedding when you came up to me and said, do I have to pretend to catch the bouquet? <laughs> and then guess who caught the bouquet? I'm so angry about that. <laughs> I was so genuinely that. not like aiming at you or anything. I was on the other side too. I was like, I moved to the side, to the outskirts. I was on the outskirts, Gabby. It was destined for you, Douthit. Is it contractually obligating? <laughs> Only because I threw it, it is. Okay, but then, so does that mean you're contractually obligated to find the person? So there you go. I might have already. You already like one of my nope, friends. Nope, 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 nope. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. We are not talking about that on the po- That's Patreon only, girl. That is Patreon only. <laughs> Patreon only will know our deepest and darkest mm, secrets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but anywho, uh, the wedding was a good time, y'all. Uh, I was so proud of Kim and all of our friends for learning. Learning the Beetlejuice dance. And, if by uh, learning you meant just watching Jake out of the corner of my eye, watching Ghost Daddy and copying everything he did, then you're right. I, I it, like, have a I video so of smart. it. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> get yourself some friends that learn the Beetlejuice possession dance for you and do it at your wedding dinner. Uh, it was a good time. But The roles were fantastic. Thank you. I'm so they were, glad you enjoyed the those roles. roles, man. Those were I like. I've been actively thinking about like the wedding was beautiful, but those roles. <laughs> <laughs> like I want, I want those roles. Where did those roles come from, and how can I get more of them? Talk to the ruins. There was like rosemary or something in them, and my god, they were good. And there oh, was like yeah. some salt factor. Oh, oh yeah, they had beautiful. good food. It was delicious. It was, uh, and I, I was going to say, um, Terrence's cocktail, he did a, a bloody Manhattan, a bloody Manhattan. And I had a few of those, um, <laughs> one or two. I can't quite recall off the top of my head. It was a while ago. Uh, cocktail was, hour did you dirty. I mean, well, cocktail hour went on for a bit and there was those, man, those spring rolls. I ate a lot of those. Um, those did you get the, nice. uh, gr- the grilled cheese? I did. Um, those were yummy. Those were yummy. I, I couldn't do more than one of them. They were a little, they were a little rich. heavy. They were, yes, that. they were rich. They were good, but they were, they were very rich. And the, the little like tomato soup shooter was more like a marinara. So I didn't, so I, knowing me, 
if I shot that, it would have been down my bosom. Ooh, uh, watch out. So I chose not to. Oh, okay, noted. In that I wanted to spare my bosoms from you the You didn't marinara. want it to look like you like murdered someone in the bosom? I mean, you know, I like to save my murdering for really special occasions. And if my I'm wedding do is it, not a special occasion, no, Kim. But if I'm going to murder, it's going to then be authentic. Fair. Well, we and did not marinara. We did have a, a special guest at the wedding named Skinner. That was our skeleton that was hanging out uh, and taking some fun photos with people. That, so that was a good time. And uh, we got to do a fun photo booth photo together that yeah. we did post to the socials. It was classy. It was classy. It's a good time. But... Yeah. Uh, I've never seen Kim Douthat cry so much, and it was heartwarming. I cried a little bit. Oh, ma'am. <laughs> it was wonderful. A it little was bit. Wonderful. I think my favorite part was you posting just a picture of your face saying, I hate feelings, and just <laughs> tagging me with no hashtags and no context. That was. But you knew. You knew I knew. Context. I was losing it laughing. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. It was great. That's that's what we call friendship, people. That is, is. true friendship right there. But I hate feelings. Kim also mm-hmm. carved some incredible pumpkins for uh, the wedding. And like, well, to be fair, <laughs> in one of them, Taryn, inadvertently, because I had to adjust my pumpkin, and um, Terrence, Gabby's hey. now husband, uh, he he ended up with the adjustments I had to make to the pattern. He he vaguely looks like Sasquatch. It's just a little Sasquatchy. Just a little, little Yeti. It's, it's, a, it's a Yeti Yeti. It's a little Yeti. Uh, it's a wee little Yeti. When you light it up, it looks like him, but when it's a regular pumpkin, it's a Yeti. So you get, like, like the best of both worlds. (laughs) (laughs) But it was such a good time. So No, it was a lovely wedding. It was a lovely wedding. Thank you. Thank you for being their friend. Um, And now you're a Sadie, Sadie married lady. Yeah, you know, it's wild. It's a weird time. I will tell you, we did go to Oahu. Been there, done that. Yeah, I know, I know. We went to Oahu and did the most touristy shit and uh, went on an accidental old people cruise for dinner. Uh, (laughs) Are you an accidental old person, though? uh, I guess that's what happens when you get married. Uh, Uh, They definitely were like, oh, is anyone here for their honeymoon? And Terrence raised his hand very proud. And they made us stand up and dance in front of everybody. Some, like, random couple took a video of us, and it is the most awkward thing you have ever seen in your life oh and there was this like older gentleman playing a very old synth and it sounded very much like dee 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 uh, for every <laughs> single song that he played and it was it was a night to remember i'll tell you that it's a night to remember but yeah <laughs> it was a great time so thank you for uh, all our listeners that you know if we had a slight quiet time <laughs> We, uh, although our, our release schedule was consistent still. Yes, still it was. On so you still yeah. got some episodes for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We hope you all had a wonderful Halloween. Yeah. Um, ours was great, too. Just full of wedding stuff. <laughs> that was a good time. <laughs> but good Kim, time. we are going to do our Halloween hang. We are. Yes. In, in We're watch December, potentially. <laughs> live tweet ghost <laughs> adventures. <laughs> I have to, I'm going to, Terrence is going to need to make a couple of those bloody Manhattans and um, that's, that's, you're going to watch Kim slowly, slowly descend. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't not wait. That is my, oh. that is your uh, holiday present to me is that. Yes, so is. thank you. Um, <laughs> but anywho, we have a topic to talk about today. We do. Uh, yes. Although if you want to check out any of the fun wedding stuff, I posted a bunch of stuff to my social on it. So if you want to see photos, you know where to find me on social media. If you don't, sorry, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll um, figure it out real quick. 
Yeah. Uh, hint, Ghoulish Tendencies podcast is our Instagram, and you can Twat? find it through that. Twat? Right? Twat? Who knew? Twat. We have social medias? What is that? Twat. So our topic for today. <laughs> it's a funny. It's not funny. It's just weird. It's so weird. It's a really bizarre topic. Thank you, Kim, for your inspiration for this topic. You're welcome. Um, this is what we would categorize as a unsolved sure yeah ish yeah topic i think unsolved mysteries actually did do an episode on this they at one point did. In time. there's a very <gasps> funny story Ooh. about it actually all right um there it's got a little bit of moita or killing or accidental death who knows death. yeah it's weird <laughs> just a weird one um no ghosties for this one this time around but our topic for today is the Circleville letters. So for those of you who don't know, Circleville is in Ohio, and this takes us back to the 70s, the good old time of serial killers. Golden age. Golden age. This is not about serial killers, though, fun fact. Um, <laughs> but let's go back to 1976. <laughs> 1976. Austin Powers and Faja. Uh, so this is a small town, Circleville, just classic rural small town where everyone knows everybody's business. Mm -hmm. And fun fact, they are known for their annual pumpkin show. Ooh. Uh, and they actually have a water tower that looks like a pumpkin, which I got very excited about. Uh, that's cool. That's <laughs> just, cool. you know, little fun facts. Mm -hmm. So in 1976... Several Circleville, Ohio residents began receiving some really bizarre, strange letters detailing personal information about their lives, and they were anonymous. Mary Galepsi, she was a wife, a mother, school bus driver. She was accused of a supposedly, allegedly non-existent affair with the superintendent of their schools, Gordon Massey. The letter that she received said, stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified and everything will be over soon. Dun, dun, dun. This letter was postmarked from uh, Columbus, Ohio, but it had no return address on it. Within eight days, Mary receives another letter and keeps receiving more letters. And she keeps them to herself. She didn't tell her husband, Ron, about it until he received a letter. His letter said, Mr. Gillespie. Your wife is seeing Gordon Massey. You should catch them together and kill them both. He doesn't deserve to live. What? It's pretty brutal. That's that. Like, I want to I want to ask this person, like, who hurt you? <laughs> Sir, ma'am, sure, person, ma'am, ma'am. Let's talk. Let's Did break you have this down. breakfast. Are you, you angry? Seem, you might be hangry. It's a little, little off, just a smidge. It's, a, it's, 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 you know, not what we'd call a proportionate response. 
that's true. That that is accurate. I can hundred percent agree with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he gets another letter, and in this other letter, the writer says that he will kill Ron unless Ron tells the school board about the affair. Mm. And he gets another one. In his next letter, he says, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. Make her admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBS posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) Broadcast on CBS? That's a quote. Like, how does he have access to CBS is what I I want to know. I have even more questions. Like, do you you just call CBS Nightly News and like, listen, listen, I've got the scoop. Well, it's funny you say that because there was actually a letter that was written to a certain TV station later on, which I will get to in a bit. No, it wasn't. (laughs) But it was a different one. So hold hold that thought. Don't forget that. We'll come back to it. All right. So after these letters, Mary and Ron decide that they're going to tell just a couple people about it. They don't want to tell a bunch of people because they're all concerned. Uh So they only tell three people about the letters. They tell Ron's sister... Karen uh-huh. Sue, her husband, Paul Freshour, and Paul's sister. Sister doesn't matter as much, but sure. remember Karen Sue and Paul Freshour's names. So just remember those names. We'll come back to them. Yeah. Mary had some ideas about who might be sending the letters. So she suspected that another bus driver named David Longberry might be the letter writer because apparently she had previously rejected him romantically. Ooh. And we know that men don't do well with rejection. Mm. And so he still openly showed resentment toward her. Uh-huh. So she assumed it was him, that he was trying to make something up or jealous or what have you. At this point, we don't really know was she actually having an affair with this guy or not. I, I would go as into the assumption mode of if her husband Ron is like also in on this with her and like supporting her and he's getting letters and not getting angry with her, but like they're both kind of getting attacked. Maybe there wasn't an affair happening. So Ron could have been, you know, sympathizing with Mary and trusted her. And maybe this was like a weird, just crazy person sending letters. And so they decided to do something about it. Um, They decided to have Paul write letters to David Longberry, uh, claiming that they knew who he was as the writer of these letters. And apparently for a couple of weeks, the letters actually stopped. Oh. Which is interesting. Interesting. Keep remembering that name, David Longberry, because there wasn't, at this point in time, there were no police involved it wasn't a super crazy thing. It was like some weird stuff started happening, but it was pretty low key, right? Nothing too intense happened at this point in time. But then on August 19th, 1977, Mary is out of town with her sister and Ron stayed home with the kids. Uh, Ron receives a really bizarre, mysterious phone call from the alleged writer. Hmm. The call seems to confirm Ron's suspicions of the identity of the writer. 
So he gets angry. He grabs his loaded gun and he leaves in his pickup truck. He leaves the kids at home. Ooh. Allegedly, Ron fired one shot from his gun, Mm -hmm. then somehow lost control of his truck, crashes into a tree, and is killed. Oh, jeez. It's pretty awful. Wow. It's really interesting that he would have shot one shot while he's driving. That just seems Mm -hmm. kind of weird, right? Right. He also had almost twice the amount of the legal limit of alcohol in his blood. Mm. But according to his friends and family, Ron didn't drink really, like at all. And so Hmm. it was really weird that, first of all, that he would even get into a car after drinking. Sure. Let alone be that intoxicated because he didn't Mm. drink very much. So that seemed odd. So there's a sheriff. His name is Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe. (laughs) Dwight. Sidebar. All I can think about when I hear that name is Dwight from The Office mixed with Radcliffe from Pocahontas, the cartoon, who had the tiny pug. Like if Dwight Percy the pug. Yes. Like Uh think of Dwight Schrute dressed up as him and just have a moment because... That's who I imagine Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe to be. Just that's saying. amazing. Nice visual reference. It's a um, fantastic visual <laughs> reference. Right. It has nothing to do with the story at all. No, but I'm here for it. It's fun. So anyway, Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe questioned and eliminated at least one suspect in the case. And he then rules Ron's death as an accident, claiming that he had lost control and crashed his car while drinking, while driving drunk. Uh-huh. And this just doesn't sit well with some of his family members and friends because knowing that he doesn't really, he never drank, this seems very bizarre and weird. Uh-huh. But at this point in time, he closed, the, the sheriff closed the case, so they could, didn't really have much they could do about it. So a little bit of time goes by, and Mary denies the affair with Massey uh-huh. up until Ron's death. Now, after Ron's death... She actually started seeing Massey regularly and dating him, which seems kind of shady that that would happen right after Ron died. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, of course, guess what happens? We get more letters and the threats become worse. Mm. At this point, it's not just letters either. Mm -hmm. Now there's phone calls. There's signs along uh, Mary's bus route, too. And there was an ongoing investigation going on about the letters. People even had their phones tapped to try to figure out suspects, but it didn't really lead to much. Mm. Soon after that, uh, a handful of residents started to receive letters stating that Sheriff Radcliffe had been involved in a cover-up of Ron's death, which also is very weird. It's very weird, yeah. It's not about marry anymore having an affair now we're talking about the sheriff covering up someone's death seems kind of shady i have questions that's some shady shit that's some shady shit this episode should be called shady shit episode because there's a lot of shady shit that happens in here shady shit now according to paul sheriff radcliffe initially agreed that the death was a result of foul play Mm -hmm. before it was claimed to be an accident but he allegedly changed his mind when the suspect that they had on hand mm-hmm. 
passed a polygraph test, which brings us back to polygraph tests, not always accurate, right? Mm-hmm. And after that polygraph test, there was no further investigation into Ron's death. So let me ask you this, Kim. Mm-hmm. Was it a cover-up, do you think? What are the vibes? I mean, I, like, uh, I feel like I need more information. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't feel like I have enough inf- It's, it, sure, it could be, but with what has been presented, oh, yeah. I need, I, well, I need more thing is like, evidence. 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 Uh, but that's the problem is that this is a tiny town. Yeah. Their capacity of gathering evidence and investigating something is limited to one 70s. man. And it's the 70s. And it's the 70s. Yeah. So like context, uh, right? Sure. I, what I think is really bizarre is why the people of the town would be receiving letters that it was a cover up. Yeah. If there was a cover up, wouldn't it point to the person who was writing the letters? Yeah, I kind of, so, right? Yeah. Because he got a phone call from someone who was writing the letters sure. right before he took off in the car. So like, and he was getting threats to his life. So it seems kind of strange that if he was getting threats to his life through letters, got a weird phone call, sure. gets angry and gets in the car with a gun. If someone's getting in a car with a loaded gun, you know that they are intending to do something to someone. Yeah, that's not something you just themselves. do for funsies. Yeah, like just to think from like a common sense perspective as mm-hmm. opposed to like an evidence perspective if we evidence. don't have the evidence. Right. Evidence. Um, then, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird. I feel yeah. like it's almost like this person is just wanting to stir the pot so hard. Like they don't want anyone to just be good with the information that's given to them ever. So this pot stirrer does not stop stirring this pot. More shady shit abounds. Uh On February 7th of 1983, Mary is driving along her bus route in an empty bus at 3.30 p.m. And Mary sees a sign on the side of the road with expletives and threats about her 13-year-old daughter on it. Oh, no. Not so good. Uh, Sidebar. I have to say it here because it's relative to this. Okay. There have been a couple shows about this topic. One is 48 hours. One is uh, unsolved mysteries and watching both of them for this prep and just seeing perspective. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of the unsolved mysteries episode is that this sign is shown in the reenactment scene of her driving by a sign. Um, And guess what the sign says? Hold on, I'm going to pull it up and show it to you so you can see it because I took a picture of the TV because it was funny. Tracy Gillespie sucks. <laughs> I don't know why I find that as funny as I do, but I really do. Oh, that's amazing. I thought it was so funny when I saw it on the that's TV. I was like, amazing. Tracy Gillespie sucks? That's the expletive? That's it? Like <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries is you, really you have, uh, to, you have to say it like, sucks. Tracy Gillespie sucks. Sucks. Just like that. Just like that. Obviously, it said something way worse than that, and Unsolved Mysteries just didn't want to <laughs> write that on they a couldn't commit. for they their couldn't TV show. It. Nope. They were like, They had to oh, go half-assed. Oh, yeah. 
but we'll post a picture on our social of that because it's very stupid and funny. Anyway, let's get back to the story. So she's driving. She sees the sign that says Tracy Gillespie sucks. It doesn't say Tracy Gillespie sucks. It says something way worse. But it's her daughter. It's like her 13-year-old daughter. And someone wrote her full name on a sign with some like really like inappropriate stuff on it. So as a mother, what are you going to do? You're going to get out and try to take the sign down, right? Yeah, no, that's awful. So she pulls over, gets out, tries to remove the sign, and then notices that there's a box tied to the sign with twine. Ooh. Say that 10 times fast. Tied to a Tied sign with to twine? the side with twine. Tied to the yep. side with twine. And so she takes the box off the sign and she takes the box home and opens it. Inside the box, she finds a small loaded gun oh, ready to hi. go off hi. inside the box. Excuse me. I have questions here. Wow. Why would you just take a random box? Off an offensive sign when you've been, like, targeted by letters, you're going to just take this box home? What if it had a bomb in it or something? Yeah. Why wouldn't you have, like, first of all, maybe not taken it off? Because I don't know how this gun didn't go off in the process of her removing the box and taking it home. Like, that's wild to me hmm. because obviously this was some form of booby trap that just didn't work properly because had it worked, she could have been dead. Yeah. Right? So she decides she needs to involve the police at this point. So she brings, yeah, she brings it to the police station and they break it to her. This is a booby trap. Uh-huh. I thought you were going to get excited about boobies, but it's a different kind of yeah, boobie. it's not the fun kind of boobies. No, just a singular boobie, it's just, not It's just boobie. Boobie. Boobs. Reminded me of our old episode. Um, but it was a booby trap. Luckily, it didn't go off because, you know, could have been a worse situation. She could have not lived. Sure. So at this point... The police are like, all right, we got to do something about this. This is getting serious now. Mm -hmm. This could be considered attempted murder, right? Sure. That you yeah. would put a loaded gun in a booby trap with a sign <laughs> that you know is targeted to her because her daughter's name is on this sign. So the police look at the gun and they notice that there was an amateurish attempt at rubbing off the serial number on the gun. Hmm. So they take it to Ohio's Bureau of Criminal Investigation, mm -hmm. and they trace the partially filed off serial number and link it to Paul Freshour's co-worker. So if you remember who Paul Freshour is, it's Ron's sister's husband. Oh. So apparently Paul Freshour's co-worker claimed to have sold the gun to Freshour. Hmm. Huh. So things are starting to get interesting. Obviously, we're like, oh, this is this is Paul's gun. He set it up. He wants to kill Mary. Uh -huh. That's where your brain naturally goes, right? So Ron Gillespie's brother-in-law, Paul Freshour, eventually becomes a suspect because of this. Uh -huh. So Paul, just to give a little bit of context, Paul and his wife, Karen Sue who was Ron's sister, they were really close to Ron and Mary, and they often socialized together. Mm. And in 1983, Paul and Karen were in the midst of a really brutal divorce. Oof. So when police questioned them, Karen actually said that Paul hated Mary after Ron's death and that he was behind the letters. Hmm. 
which I think is really wild. Like, she actually said that she found many letters in the house before, but never mentioned it to anyone until the divorce. Hmm. It's kind of strange, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul is then questioned about the gun. He admits right away that it's his. Sure. But he had no idea how it got into the booby trap. He actually said it was stolen. (laughs) See, now it's in my now it's in my brain. That's your fault. (laughs) Just one booby. One booby. Um so he didn't know how it got into the booby trap, but he said it was stolen weeks before. So that's why he had no idea how it got there. He hadn't seen it in a really long time. Hmm. He also denied having anything to do with the letters, but you know, no one really believed him at this point. So on February sure. 25th, 1983, Sheriff Radcliffe asked Paul to meet with him and take a handwriting test, but he did it in a really weird way. Initially, he asked Paul to try to copy the handwriting from the letters, which I think is strange. Why wouldn't you just have him write? Yeah, that's weird. Right? Um, He also had him write the letters while reading them out loud to him. So he had a like side by side written and then also just wrote after being told what to write. So he had two samples. And uh, right after that happened, I don't know if there was an, it didn't, the information I found when I was looking this up was, it was kind of inconclusive as to what happened with the writing in that moment. Right. I think they were using it as some sort of, Evidence. Evidence. But they also gave him a polygraph test, and he Hmm. fails it. So the second he fails the polygraph test, he's arrested for attempted murder of Mary Galepsi. However, he wasn't charged with writing any of the letters. So they only really have him because of the gun and the polygraph test, Hmm. and that's it. They aren't doing anything with the letters at this point. So on October 24th, 1983... Paul goes on trial for the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. Now, he was never charged with writing the threatening letters, but they did become a crucial part of the evidence against him. Evidence. Evidence. And what's really interesting is there's a podcast that I actually listened to a bit, and uh, the author of the podcast, Mary Mayhew, it's called Whatever Remains Podcast. She did a whole section on these letters mm-hmm. and she's actually featured in the 48 hours episode. Um, and a lot of her insight is part of what we're hearing here as far as how everything went with the trial and what was going on with the mm. evidence and what the thoughts were on what happened. So I just have to give her a little shout out cause she had some really great information. So October 24th, 1983, we mentioned he goes on trial. It's at the Pickaway County Courthouse in Circleville. And even though the trial wasn't supposed to reflect on the letters at all, technically they were not supposed to be involved in the trial. They were brought up anyway um, when Mary was questioned. Of course she's going to bring them up because it's relevant to her and to the situation. And Obviously these things are connected, right? Sure. So this was incredibly damaging to Fresh Hour. And they were actually used as evidence against him. During the trial, mm. the defense argued that there was no direct threat to Mary's life in the letters, trying to get the letters out and not used as, uh, you know, evidence at all. But it was relevant to the case, even if it wasn't a technical threat to her in the letter. Sure. It's still connected to the sign and the gun. Mm-hmm. And so the judge ends up allowing 39 of the letters in. Mm. So at this point, 
I don't even remember if I mentioned this. There were hundreds of letters. It oh, wasn't wow. just like one or two or four or 20. There were hundreds of letters that were written That's to Mary Gillespie, her husband, and then also to people within the town too. Dedication to a bit, man. Dedication oh, to a bit. Just you wait. It gets, it gets better. So 39 of the letters are led into this trial. The writing in the letters and the writing on the sign were the same type of block letters. So that's very indicative that these things are connected, right? Mm -hmm. So the state brings in the BCI handwriting analysis to compare the writing and then samples fresh hours handwriting. And apparently, I have two different sources that give opposite information here. Of course. (laughs) It's such as life. Such as life. One source says that there was not a match. Another Mm. source says that there was a handwriting expert that testified that Paul was the writer. Um, And Mary also testified that she believed that he was the writer after his wife visited her, telling her that she thought that he was the writer. So there's a little bit of conflicting information here. I I didn't have a chance. I couldn't access the actual transcripts from the trial. So I would be curious to know if any of our listeners have or if Kim has ability to (laughs) look into the trial. Kim, Kim's on it. Let's see. Kim's on it. So, but the evidence was slim overall. It, it wasn't super legit evidence to charge him at this point. Like it was, it was very brief. Um, there was no fingerprint evidence on the gun or the box belonging to Fresh Hour. Uh, they had the ability to test for that and didn't find anything. There was some circumstantial evidence though. Fresh Hour actually took the day off of work the same day that the booby trap was found, which seemed Mm. like shady shit. But apparently there was being work done at his house that day, which is why he took the day off. And like his boss actually testified at the trial saying that he was not at work that day, but like because he had requested it off in advance. Um, The other weird thing is that there was a type of box that was used to store the gun. It was a large chalk box. Hmm. which could be easily found at Anheuser-Busch, which is where Fresh Hour worked. So you could potentially say he could have gotten this box at work, but there was no way to actually prove that. So in regards to him not being at work that day, right. um, there were multiple witnesses that testified that he was at home because mm-hmm. he was having worked on his house. So like the people that were working at his house testified that he was home. So they had... He had an alibi. He was fine. Um, And the thing was is that it's weird because they didn't care because he still was found guilty of attempted murder, Um, which is wild to me that this was the only evidence Evidence. that was given. And it's if that were to happen today, it would never happen. Like, that's nuts. So he is found guilty of attempted murder, right? He receives a maximum sentence of 7 to 25 years in prison. And the town at this point thought that they caught the letter writer. Even though it had not, the actual sentencing had nothing to do with accusing him of writing the letters. Right. It was just for attempted murder. Everybody in the town already had it made up in their mind. Got them. Nice. All right. What does it say? (laughs) So because this is apparently this is like hit. I don't know. This is a whole thing with his notes in it. So confirmed I was denied copies 
for independent examination. Confirms use of my writing expert. Robert Massey was my writing expert. One judge dissented strongly because of this. See Exhibit D. Great. Confirms my writing expert was trained under BCI. Walter Knight, who worked for Prosecutor Klein. See page 21, line 21, which confirms he was only shown what the prosecutor wanted. And confirms he was only shown what the prosecutor wanted him to see, which confirms he was assisted by Prosecutor Klein's writing expert while working for me. Oh, that's shady. That's some shady shit right there. That's shady shit. So, and again, this is a summary of this entire Robert Massey's testimony, who was the writing expert. And what it says is that that he was denied copies for independent examination, confirms prosecutor Klein's control of the obscene and threatening letters, See pages 19, lines 3 through 6, which confirms my writing expert was trained under BCI, Walter Knight, who worked for the prosecutor. So his writing expert was trained under the same expert at the prosecutor, if I'm reading this correctly. Oh, my God. Um, it confirms he was only shown what the prosecutor wanted him to see, which, again, if you've got hundreds of letters and you're only being shown a small sample, confirms he was only shown, yep, um... Confirms he was assisted by Prosecutor Klein's writing expert while working for me. So, and again, this is without reading through the entire testimony. These are just the right. notes about it. But this, this is, this is shady. This is 100% shady. And I am happy to point people in the direction of the entire court transcript that I just pulled up. Fantastic. We'll actually put it in our show notes so we can go look into it. Yes. So there's that. Um, some shady shit. Again, this is the episode of all the shady shit. So All the shady shit, man. Clearly, they were wanting to accuse him of this and found a way to do it. Um, and he got time. So he was sentenced for 7 to 25 years in prison. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm CryptoZoo. And we co-host the Steve and Crypto Show, where we chat about pop culture, horror, entertainment, and everything in between. Right now, you're listening to our friends at Ghoulish Tendencies. When you're done listening to this Ghoulish Tendencies episode, come find us, the Steve and Crypto Show. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, enjoy Ghoulish Tendencies. But the craziest thing, wildest thing, is that you would think if they caught the person who wrote the letters and put him in a jail where everything that goes in and comes out is monitored, you would think there wouldn't be any more letters written, right? In theory. I mean, that would, that would be logical. But the letters never stopped. Hundreds more letters were going out. The Pickaway County Sheriff was convinced that the letters were still being written by Fresh Hour from jail, but the warden insisted that he couldn't have. They did not allow him to have pens or paper, and all outgoing and incoming mail was inspected, and they specifically put him into isolation so that people would know that he wasn't writing the letters. So that's kind of weird, right? Mm -hmm. It gets weirder. Guess who receives a letter? Fresh Hour in jail receives 
a letter from this writer. And it says, fresh hour. Now, when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago when we set them up. They stay set up. Don't you listen at all. No one wants you out. No one. The joke is on you. Ha, ha. Tell no one of this letter. I saw the paper. Great news. Great. The sheriff loved it. Ha, ha. Do you believe it now? Do you? Wow. Isn't that wild? Hmm. So, yeah. Why would, if Fresh Hour was the writer, why would he write himself a letter and send it into the jail? Well, and I mean, like you could, I suppose, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you could make the argument that it was a way to try to prove your Deflect. own innocence. Like, sure. yeah, no, I mean, like, it, it could be skewed in that direction if you're someone who's like, well, what? I mean, I understand why you can't look at that as definitive proof that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Not that, again, from, from I, I don't think I'm buying that he, that it was at all. Um, sure. But I can understand why that by itself wouldn't be compelling evidence if you were trying evidence. to convince somebody because they could say, well, it, it would be easy enough to make arrangements to get a letter sent to you. That's fair. But, um, but that's on top of everything else. Like, that's... <laughs> It's just weird. It's just super weird. It's super um, well, and, and I mean, again, I'm I'm glancing through these records I found because what I actually just stumbled across is that Fresh Hour petitioned the FBI for and and what he attached. That's why I was reading all those notes. What he attached is he was asking the FBI to get involved in in what he thinks was a. Um, a cover up by the sheriff's office and, and uh, including the court transcripts with all of his notes about how messed up it was. Yeah, that's, that's not surprising at all because this was some weird stuff. And it, you bring a, up a good point because there's more to his experience as we go along. Ooh. So if someone said, I told you two years ago when we set him up, they stay set up. You don't you listen at all. Like, what does that sound like to you? Like if it was someone that he knew potentially, who could have written him this letter? That I told you you were set up. Don't you listen at all? Um, does it hint at a certain type of person or someone he might? I don't know. What are you, do, Can you think of anyone that it might make you think of? I don't of? think I'm grabbing whatever you're sorry. <laughs> I think it sounds like his wife personally like oh aren't, don't you listen like it sounds like an argument oh. between a husband and a wife and they got divorced sure. and they had a really brutal divorce sure so like when i read this the first time i was like oh shoot is it karen sue did she set him up like is that part of it like man that's a lot to go through just to like but wait Give it to your ex-husband man but think about it because she's the one who said i found letters in our house and that only came up once they got divorced, she told Mary Damn. she thought it was him. That was mm. part of the case. That was part of right. the trial. Wow. Right? So, like, huh. I don't know. That's what. That's where my brain went. And then. Yeah, no, I, no, that, not, that tracks. I'm not the only one who thought that because Paul thought that. So Paul mm. thought that Karen set him up. 
So during the closing argument of his case, Paul's lawyer said, who hated Paul enough to get him into trouble? If he went to jail, Karen Sue would actually profit the most because during their hairy divorce, Karen Sue lost her home. She lost custody of her daughters and was Mm. actually forced to live in a trailer on Mary Gillespie's property. So she was pissed. She wanted, probably wanted some kind of revenge or just Mm -hmm. wanted her life back. And she was the first to link him to those letters, like I mentioned before. So it's just weird to me that if she was going to talk about the letters at the house, why wouldn't she have ever shown the police the letters? Like, that seems like a very physical evidence moment of, like, mm-hmm. if you found letters, you should show them to the police. But she, she allegedly never kept the letters, which yeah, is which is which shady, is shady shit. shit. Yeah, which shady is shady shit. shit. Super shady shit. So enter Martin Yant. Yant. That's a great name. Yant. 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 He was an investigator uh, of the case in the early 90s, and he actually uh-huh. picked up the case and found an alternative suspect. He got some additional information. So apparently another bus driver saw something suspicious, mm-hmm. but investigators at the time didn't pursue it. Yant did. He saw it and he was like, why did people not look into this? This is strange. Yeah. So apparently this bus driver drove by the same spot where the booby trap was found 20 minutes before Mary drove past it. And she saw a man standing next to an El Camino. And okay. he turned around when she drove was driving by to pretend like he was peeing so that no one would see <laughs> his face. So the driver couldn't get a look at who he was. But what she did notice was that he was a large man and that he had sandy colored hair. So Karen Sue happened to be dating a large man with Mm. sandy-colored hair at the time. And allegedly, Karen Sue's brother owned an El Camino. But again, this is really vague information. Yeah, and very circumstantial. Exactly. And it seems like anyone could just pull that information and be like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so was that. And maybe that means something, but it doesn't. Because even even her dating a a large, sandy-haired man, that's like a a very (sighs) subjective opinion a little bit. It's just reaching. It's it's way- reaching. Well, and again, it's 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 not it's not compelling evidence. It can be no. interesting, but it can also be facts that get twisted and skewed. And it's vague. It's and super it's very vague. vague. Yeah. So, fast forward ten years after Fresh Hour goes to prison, Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> our favorite show, that show our that I get friends. so frustrated about when we don't have any resolution. Mm. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries discovers the case and was planning to do an episode on the Circleville letters. Mm-hmm. Somehow the word got out that they were doing that. Mm. And in December 1993, right before the filming began, uh-huh. the show received a postcard with a oh. threat <gasps> on it. No, no way. Yes way. Dude. Are you ready for it? Yes, hit me, hit me. Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you El Sicos will pay. (laughs) El Sicos? (laughs) The Circleville writer. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Also, um, sir, if you're going to speak Spanish, it's Los Sicos, not El Sicos. I'm just saying. It sounds like something like a kid on a playground would say. 
It does. But also it makes me wonder, like, why does he not want to, like, hurt the sheriff? Isn't that And did, I'm assuming they, they compared the letters to Oh, they were letters. identical. They were identical. And you so, have to wonder if there's multiple, like, if this is a... Because uh-huh. that, to me, I don't know. Uh-huh. This It feels like this, there's multiple people pulling shit. Yep. Well, that's a good perspective to have. But wait, there's more. Oh, dear. <laughs> so it didn't stop the show from production, which I love. Um, yeah, no, so, because why would it? Why would right. it? So at this point in time, Fresh Hour was just released on parole. And he okay. was actually on the show. They actually interview him. And oh well, because he was released on parole. He was released I mean, on parole, yeah. And and he would want to clear his name. I mean, he was trying to, and like, yeah. To your point, kept trying to get the FBI involved to prove mm-hmm. that this was not accurate, that he was falsely accused. Um, and this was, I think, my favorite part. I think you need to watch this unsolved mysteries, Kim, because my favorite part of the unsolved mysteries is in the very beginning of it of the episode. They read. The postcard. That's how they oh, intro it. Nice, and they're nice. like, but we don't scare so easily. So here's the story. <laughs> and then they tell the story. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Literally, I just thought it was the funniest thing I had seen on any Unsolved Mystery uh, show. But anyway, what's really interesting is they tried to get a bunch of people involved in the show. And guess who would not participate? Was it? Was it? Karen Sue, Karen Sue, Lady Sue, whatever Sue. Karen Sue refused. She oh, actually bitch. went to to the point that she she refused to participate, but documented every single person who did. She creepily sat in a car outside of where they were recording and took pictures of people coming in and out of where they were recording from to document who was being involved with this show. <sighs> Again, shady shit, shady shit, shady shit. And what's really interesting too, and this this actually gets kind of sad. In 1994, the letters abruptly stopped when Fresh Hour left prison. Which again, Mm. interesting, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now his son Mark. This is sad. Um, I'm gonna give a trigger warning here for talks of suicide. Um, Mm. so if you don't want to hear anything about this, fast forward for like 30 seconds to a minute. Um, his son, Mark struggled significantly through his parents' divorce and Karen Sue literally made him choose her Mm. over his dad. So he like had like, he never saw his dad and his dad really valued him and wanted to have like loyalty meant everything to his dad. So he just, Mm. he, his dad just wanted to have some form of semblance of a relationship with Mark and would do basically anything for him. Uh-huh. So allegedly, Paul claimed that he thought Mark initially stole his gun back <gasps> before the booby trap was found, mm. but he never reported his son in the process because he didn't want to strain their relationship any more than it already had been strained because of the divorce. Sure, sure, so sure. So he sure. would rather go to jail than, a, like, even say anything about his son having to do with his gun, which yeah. he did, right? Yeah. So it makes you think that Mark struggled. He struggled with um, depression pretty seriously. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. It, there, there's insinuation that he was involved in this mm. with the gun um, mm-hmm. and that he kept it a secret for a long time because mm-hmm. his dad took the blow for it. 
And on September 11th in 2002 in Portsmouth, Ohio, 39-year-old Mark Freshour's body was found in the Ciota River Mm -hmm. um, bearing a gunshot wound. Mm. Um, Karen Sue later told police that he had suffered from depression and his cousin thought that he couldn't live with himself any longer and was insinuating that he was the Circleville writer. Oh, that. Mm, mm, Which is so messed mm, up. Mm, and, like, mm. I don't like it. It's not something that I condone. But I had to include the information because it was part of the research. No, of course. I just, it just puts a bad taste in my mouth. And especially for someone that's no longer around to, like, defend themselves to well, say that's something just, like that. That's just it. That's awful. Yeah. It's not great. So that's a, that's a, again, you're talking about there being multiple people involved. Like technically speaking, if his son did take the gun, he could have had something to do with some of it, but I doubt he was a writer. Um, but again, he wasn't in jail when the letters were going out. There's no form of like evidence to put it against him, but there's no evidence to not either. So it's, it's a weird situation to be in. So three decades later, Former star profiler of the FBI, Mary Ellen O'Toole. Mm -hmm. She actually investigated the Circleville letters for the show 48 Hours. So if you watch that show, you'll see her on there. Um, Fun fact, she also profiled the Green River Killer and the Unabomber. Hey, a friend Gary. She's pretty legit. I like it. She inspected 98 of the letters. Mm Mm-hmm. Her conclusions were that gender is difficult to discern and that the manipulation internally is consistent. Okay. In the letters, in one of the letters, it says, I'm the boyfriend of a woman, basically. I don't know if it was verbatim it said that or it insinuated that, but it implied a boyfriend of a woman. And she thought that this could be a female writer trying to deflect and Mm. show that it's not a female. Mm -hmm. But... Based on her evaluation of the letters, she said there's only one writer, that it's consistent across the board from Hmm. one person. Hmm. Um, She also said it wasn't a highly educated person. (laughs) There's that. Um, What's interesting is that Freshour had a master's degree, and he was a manager and a highly educated person, so it would seem Hmm. odd. Yeah. Um, unless he intentionally tried to make it sound like he sure, wasn't. Sure, Again, which is, the which whole, is a like, tactic. Yeah, that's a tactic. Right. Um, huh. She also said that the writer may have had a personality disorder. <laughs> and it suggested <laughs> that they knew the difference between right and wrong, but specifically chose wrong intentionally, mm. which is also interesting. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> she was not convinced that it was fresh hour. Interesting. I'm not and honestly after after all of this. I'm I'm very much not. There's more. Ooh. So there was also Beverly East. What a name. That's a, that's a sounds like a like newscaster or like a weather girl or something. Beverly I felt East like she should be in, in she should be in clue. Oh yeah. It's it's so <laughs> on the nose. Yeah. Right. It's very on the nose. Well, she uh, is a forensic document expert, so she chose the right career. That's cool. And uh, she did an independent analysis. And Beverly East is a badass. If you watch 48 Hours, you will love Beverly East. She just, she knows her shit. She was someone who was really on it. And uh, she really evaluated the way the letters were written. 
the actual letters in the words, not like the letters themselves. Um, she compared the way he wrote a G to look like a six in his own mm. handwriting to that of many of the G's in the letters. They had a distinct difference from the way that most people write a G. Um, mm. Similarly, with the way that he wrote the number three, they had a similar odd shapes consistent in both handwritings. She was like a thousand percent convinced that it was Paul's handwriting. Mm. She said that she would literally swear on a Bible in court that it was his. Hmm. Hmm. So it's really weird to get these two people that are high specialists in what they do and give opposite. Yeah, but I mean, handwriting analysis is, um, how do I say this politely? Jeez. Oh, mm. I mean, it's, I... <sighs> This isn't me being down on on an expert in this field, but it's similar to blood spatter analysis. It is not like even calling it a science feels incorrect like mildly. It's it's a very subjective skill. Um and it is not hard to find to analysts with very differing opinions that's fair so it's it's not to discount what she's saying it's to say um i don't know it's up there a little bit for me with, with like polygraphs like i don't put a whole lot of stock in it personally which are also in this case so you get a little bit of everything yeah polygraphs are bs so well, in 48 hours, they got um, Paul Freshour's sisters to talk. Their names were, hmm. are, are there around? Janet Cassidy and June Whitehead. They're his names. sisters. Uh, apparently, they, I, I know they're biased because they're his sisters. They're, they're sisters, like, there's sure. no way he could have done any of those things or would have done any of those things. Sure. Do I believe them? No. They're his family. I, they're yeah. biased. But they were on, they said their piece. Yeah. That's one thing. Now, we're going to throw a wrench in it. Ooh, so during this wrench. time, Mary Mayhew, she's the one who has the podcast. She did uh -huh. her own intense deep dive into like every transcript, into all the details, read through all the letters, did a bunch of research, and she actually discovered a detail mm. that investigators did not mention. Mm. And they found Paul's fingerprints mm. on over a dozen letters postmarked while he was incarcerated. Interesting. So let me ask you, Kim, how could that be a thing? Because they were postmarked from a different city from where he was incarcerated. Well, that mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. This is not something, I mean, at some point, if it was him, there would be somebody else involved. Right. It wouldn't be him doing it on his own. No. Even if he's the only writer. Right. He he would have like that's and that I come back to saying that like it would have been possible for him to send letters to himself, but there would have had to have been an accomplice. Okay. All I mean, right. that's 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 fact. If it, it's let's let's say in this hypothetical world that he was the person who did all this and he really was guilty, um there's no way at this point he could have done this by himself well that's up for our listeners to decide so unfortunately fresh hour died june 28th 2012 at age 70 
still trying to prove his innocence. Mm. And he never did. He actually said 35 years ago, when I am dead in my grave, people are going to believe I'm sending those letters. Aww. Which is so sad, but also funny. (laughs) It's sad. What's extra crazy is that no one was ever charged specifically with the Circleville letters. But the sheriff has called the case closed. Yeah, of course they have. No one has heard from the Circleville writer since 1993 when Unsolved Mysteries did their episode. And got got their hands slapped. (laughs) Yeah. I just love the intro of that episode. So it's a classic case of who done it. <laughs> huh. So I I know we kind of gave a lot of information here. Mm-hmm. Um but huh. Kim, you mentioned you feel like there's an owl or there's a someone supporting it with him. There's an accomplice uh, again, that could have uh, helped him. What do you think? Um one well, and, and I'm I'm not gonna lie because you know I'm me I I kind of reserve making a full opinion till I read through the trial transcript and it's full. Be- <laughs> okay. Well, because I I part of my thing is and I do this when I'm researching too is that um reading articles reading pieces about a lot of stuff you are being um guided by the writers. Own opinion and biases. Mm -hmm. Even the factual article is is being guided by individual opinions, biases, or thoughts. If it's guilt, innocence, whatever. And so I. That's why I like things like trial transcripts and and reports and the FBI files. And I always, when I can, try to pull them up because I like to see what are both sides of something what's you know if someone's being if someone's giving testimony what are what are both sides saying what are what are the questions being asked on both sides so uh as it stands now i i don't find i don't think he's guilty although i do find the fingerprints interesting yeah i agree um i will say there are ways to transfer fingerprints to something uh, at that point, it's a dedication to a bit, but also this is somebody who was mailing like hundreds of letters. I think we're past that. Um, and I think if I was, if, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I don't, I still need to know more before I would say definitively what I, what I think. Um, but I, I think it's weird. It's definitely um, weird. I can agree yeah. with you on that. Mm-hmm. I what do think, you think I honestly think it's his wife, his ex-wife. I think she was trying to frame him. And I think if she also was a little too obvious at like trying to frame him at per- points in time, which also makes me think that maybe she wasn't trying to frame him. I don't know. It's like a weird <sighs> back and forth. I, I, it's hard for me to like fully put my finger on it because what I find to be interesting is that there wasn't um, a ton of information about David Longberry. Like he was briefly mentioned in the beginning, but there wasn't, no one really looked into him. Like it wasn't something that was thoroughly investigated. So that kind of makes me think like if it was him, which by Mm -hmm. the way, some information about him that he just did some awful things to a young girl later in life right. in 1999 um, right. and then took his own life. So, like, he seemed like a kind of disturbed person in general who 
I don't know, there's patterns there of like things that you would do to manipulate a situation if you're unhappy with the result from it. Like, and men are freaking stubborn. Like if they don't, if they get rejected by someone, they want to frame somebody else. This guy could have gone off on a tangent and like, I don't know, could have made something happen. Sure. But again, circumstantial and there's not enough proof of anything for him. My only issue with the ex-wife, and again, I don't know the best way to phrase this that doesn't make me sound like an asshole <laughs> but <sighs> I mm, like mm, no I just need to go for it Um, she does not sound capable enough for the level of what would be it because this isn't just like pretending she found some letters and telling the cops that this is maintaining this for years and I don't I don't know again I kind of come back to if it was her I don't think she could have been doing it solo because I don't know that she would have mentally been capable of it I mean technically there was that blonde large man right sure if sure. that was a thing, then she wasn't doing it alone. But right, again, but we don't know. Did she later go on to marry this person or is she still involved with this person? I mean, like, you don't bring don't somebody know. like that in casually. Do you know what no. I mean? Yeah. So I would want to look into that next, too. Like, who else has been in and out of her life who may have had a part of this? Or, or again, and I would want to look at the son. Um, There's so I many, have, like weird there's a yeah there's there's too many missing pieces right now for me to to be satisfied and that is the point my friend but i think that you know what we should be calling this episode is the grudge (laughs) because it's basically just like a really big grudge that someone held for a really long time it's something man it's something and that's the circleville letters that's it it's weird weird. it's a weird case no ghost this time just weirdness just weird dude and Mm. this brings us to creepy critics corner creepy critics corner kim what you watching uh, you know, it's funny. I have a lot of stuff on my list. I'm only going to share two, but it be, it's been so long since we've <laughs> actually recorded because we, we pre-recorded stuff because of the wedding. Uh, so we, there was a bunch of things that we didn't, we didn't talk about. Um, I have been watching on sci-fi, the Chucky TV series. Oh, I didn't even know there was one. Let me tell you what a goddamn delight this show is. <laughs> Um, oh my God, it is everything that I didn't know I needed in my life. Uh, (laughs) like, because not only do you have, you know, Don Mancini, who, um, one of the things I've always appreciated about the child's play franchise love it or hate it and i'm i am a i'm a big fan myself um i've always enjoyed the franchise um is that uh mancini was involved he wrote every single movie 
He wrote every single movie of the franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Child's Play, Part 2, Part 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and now he's doing the TV show. He, He started directing them on Seed of Chucky. He didn't direct them previous to that. But he wrote and has written every single um ones of the series. He's been writing, he he's been writer and director on, on the show. Um Brad Dorff, who plays, and we're we're putting the reboot to the side, who's done the voice of Chucky since the beginning, has stayed with the show. His daughter is now an active part of the show. Like oh, she was in cool. the last two movies and she is appearing con- on the show. The original cast from the first movie is showing up on the show, as is like um, you know, uh uh, uh Jennifer Tilly and and I mean like is Devin uh, Sawa in it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, he's playing um he's playing the the uncle. So yes, he's playing the he, the twins, the father and the uncle. Uh but it's and you also like, you know, um uh, Mancini is, you know, he's a, he's a gay man. So you have these like f- you've always had these kind of like queer moments especially later in the series mm-hmm. but like there's this great scene because the lead teenager on it is is gay and there's this great scene with chucky who's like trying to bond with this kid being like i have a queer i have a queer kid and there's just something about this this you know doll that has sustained itself since the 80s and been this this fantastic character the show is funny it's dark, it's gory, it's this great just blend of of slasher and horror and humor and a little bit of camp and great characters and just, it is just nailing everything that's been missing for me from just a fun, like, this is the kind of thing I wish American Horror Story was. Do you know what I mean? Uh. Just like a fun, well done, well acted, smart horror series. Fair. And so I will say... If if you've even casually been a fan of the franchise, check this show out. Uh, if you've never watched the franchise, watch the first movie and then watch this show. It's it's really fun. Uh, so I've been I've been watching that. It's it's currently airing. It's going to be I think an eight episode season. They're on like episode I don't know five or something like that. Uh, I also went and saw it last night in Soho, mm-hmm. which was absolutely fantastic beautifully done uh it's this british psychological horror film uh it's edgar wright who um did oh i don't know was it that's that uh, some of his work i've actually not been a big fan of like he did the was it baby driver which has never really been my thing but Shaun of the dead um he directed Shaun of the dead i love that movie um yeah, he did the the hot fuzz and and the, like he he's a, a very talented um director but this is I think, you know, like Shaun of the Dead is very much a horror comedy. Yeah. And Last Night in Soho is very much a horror film. Uh nice. it's heavily influenced by giallo films. You have this again, these fantastic female characters in it. Just I, I thought really 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 well done um the cinematography was was gorgeous the the performances are top notch uh i saw it in theaters and i'm glad i did because it was something that on the big screen was was a experience mm-hmm. um and so yeah i i recommend last night in soho i thought that was a really really nicely done film now i want to go watch, watch it. it yeah um 
I, I too have been actually watching a lot because I didn't work on stuff for like two weeks. Um, <laughs> but I finally started watching The Stand. Oh, the TV series? Yes. Mm. It's the, you know what The Stand is. It's the. I do. Yeah. It's, the, it's on Paramount. Plus, I believe I it's think, on Paramount it? Plus. Yeah. yeah. It's the Stephen King version yeah. of yeah. of that. Um, I have not read the book. I will preface this by saying I have not read the book. So I don't know what to compare it to. All I have is the show. Kim's making faces. Have you watched the show? I have. You have. I feel like you have feelings about it. It falls under the if I don't have anything nice to say. <laughs> don't say anything. I I'm, actually I'm, thought... I... So I, I, I will say... I am rubbing off on my husband. That's <laughs> so weird saying that. Uh, he put it on without me and started watching it without me, which I was like, mm. are you okay? Like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's strange that it came out in the middle of a pandemic, but that's just me. Um, but I mean, it was filming before. Was right. Part but of the it, timing so, yeah. is just distasteful. <laughs> but um, I think it's interesting. It's it's a lot. There's a lot going on in it, but the cast is really cool. Like I love that Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Um, sure. and just a handful of people that you've like seen around in movies or shows kind of all in the same place. But the premise is interesting. The concept of there being some form of pandemic that kills off a bunch of people, but then there's some kind of otherworldly intervention and, basically a, a new type of government being created to run the world without killing everybody. Um, when you haven't seen, like you've not seen the original no. miniseries and you haven't read the book. No, I've only seen okay. the new show. Um, and it was by accident because Terrence put sure. it on and I was like, well, sure. I guess I'll watch this with you. It wasn't like a choice. Um, I, but we just, what we do is we turn something on and then we just binge it as long as we can until we can't watch it anymore. And then we watch something sure. else and we sure. never finish anything. And that's the story of my life. Um, but we watched that so far. I think it's all right. I'll keep watching it, but then it's going to make me curious to watch the original and read the book. And then I'll, we could talk about do, it. Do both those things. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I have a good amount of homework to do after yes. starting that. But I'll say so far, it's, I'm not horribly upset at it, but I don't love it. I'm kind of neutral. It was, I will say, it's it's not, um... I haven't finished it either. I've only seen, like, three episodes. It's not, like, it's awful. It's just not remarkable. And you have some really, um, really great source material. Dot, dot, dot. So it's, it's for me, it was one where I was like... Eh. Eh. This is not worth the time that's being spent. For me, it was not worth the time spending on. There's a much superior things out there, but um, this is not to poo-poo on anybody who was enjoying it. And again, it does have a fantastic cast. Yeah, it does. Um, so, I mean, you can't fault the actors. The acting no. is fantastic. Right. But the the show itself, meh. Yeah. I'm curious to finish it and then watch everything else and then we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But I've been watching some of that. I've been watching a weird plethora of things. Um, we went on a really massive binge on a comedic show about travel. Um, and I think we just were itching to like actually travel and we only went to Hawaii. So we really want to like go somewhere that's not just 
in the U.S. Um, sure. But it's a show called Jack Whitehall uh, Travels with My Father. And it is – Jack Whitehall is a comedian and he literally just – takes his dad places who's the he's this like uptight british man who is very bougie and like (laughs) he constantly makes fun of his dad for looking like the nazi from um indiana jones (laughs) oh funny The, the like evil guy from indiana jones it like he dresses like him um but it's basically his son trolling him and making him do things he doesn't want to do while his dad is trying to show him culture and he takes his dad to like a clown parade and makes him dress up as a clown. Like it's very funny. Um, so it's entertaining. Something just like light. You know how it's fun to watch something light and funny from time oh, to time yeah. and learn yeah. something and see a new place. That's a great show for that. Um, sure. I will say his dad is a teensy bit racist. So that's a little tough to watch. Um but there's that. Uh, I will also say that I started watching a show that I've begrud- begrudgingly started watching. Um, and it is the show You. Uh, because, mm. I mean, I, I watched the first couple seasons of it the same It's only on season way. three. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. I watched the first couple <laughs> seasons like, eh, I guess I'll watch it. But again, I start something, I binge it, and I don't stop until it's over. But sure. I mainly am watching it because... There is a podcast that I enjoy called Best Friends with Nicole Byer and Sushir Zameda, and they are obsessed with you, and um, they're doing an episode covering the entire third season, so I am committed to watching the third season just so I can listen to that episode. So that's what I've been watching. Um, Fair. Fair. And not too much actual trash TV, just like semi-trash TV. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You know. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's it so far. We'll, we'll probably won't have as much to talk about next time because we're not gonna be gone for so long. But uh, you know, it's good to catch up. But thank you guys for listening. Um, we look forward to our next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. I can't wait for it. Oh yeah, Kim's been already pulling things up Ooh. like an interview that she found. Ooh, so excited! Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to check us out on social. Just look us up on our website, Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast. All of our socials are on there. Social meds of Instagram, Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast, what have you. You can also see our show notes, references, all that jazz is on our website. Um, We also, if you like what we do and would like to financially contribute, we have a Patreon. Uh, Thank you to all of our patrons that we have. Um, We are going to reboot our Patreon in the upcoming months and give you some extra good stuff. So stay tuned for that. Now that I'm back from Wedding World, uh, we'll be able to focus a little bit better on that. Uh, We also have Apple Podcasts. If you like what we do and don't want to necessarily contribute financially, but still do something nice, a review was lovely. Um, We really enjoy them. They make our days. They Um, do. So go for it. Check us out. Refer us to your friends. Have a listen, get caught up if you haven't, and uh, keep on listening. And having said that, stay spooky.